Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 24th of October. This is your host, Colton Gibson, and today I'm joined by my producer, Justin Brown, and co-hosts, Ryan Liguez and Bendera Barter. We have so much to cover this morning after a jammed pack weekend of sports action, but before we get started, let's throw it to Ryan for a quick word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. And we are going to go ahead and get started today with two teams that are starting to wrap up their regular season and get ready for tournament time, which of course is the Texas State soccer and volleyball teams. The Bobcats soccer team is coming off of a 4-1 to loss at the Marsh when they played the Marshall Thundering Herd this past Sunday. And guys, this is probably the worst stretch of Bobcat soccer we've seen. You know, two losses in a row, both by three goals. And I think, you know, at the same time, we're very fortunate to say that a two-loss streak is the worst soccer we've seen all season. Still very good stuff happening. Maddie Goss with her team-leading ninth goal, which is now third all-time for any Bobcats sophomore. But two losses, it's they need to definitely turn it around before they get to the tournament. Most definitely they need to turn it around. I mean, this, as you mentioned, it's kind of it's a good thing to say, though, that this is their worst stretch. It's only been two losses in a row, something we haven't seen because this team, I mean, they've done things that we have never seen before. They beat Rice for the first time in 20 years. They have the best start they've ever had in program history. But seeing that shutout that happening at South Alabama before this game against Marshall, I mean, you, you could kind of see maybe there were some issues starting to arise. I mean, obviously, the energy going into the conference, I mean, you know, going into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, you know, is huge. And you just have to make the right decisions, especially going down into the games um you know especially against Marshall Matty Goss did do great um but yeah it's just you got to find this chemistry before we go into postseason because it's coming up and there's one final game at home right and like you said uh, we just need to start playing just a little bit better right now two game losing streak but it's not been that though that bad of the games Caitlin Chisman the goalie uh she has 58 stops right now which is almost uh entering the top 10 for career saves as a Texas State goalie but like you said a, a two loss uh, streak that's bringing us now to 11-4-2, which is a lot better than we were last season at 7-8-2. So it's really nice that even though we are hitting a little bit of a rough patch here, we've done so good all season long that it, you know we, we can afford ourselves a little bit of time to get things going up again like they were. Yeah, I think all these really need to try and focus on is getting back that field position. That's something that's been kind of going down these last couple of weeks, and they, they were really good at it in the beginning of the season, controlling the field, really staying on the opponent's side. And in these last two games, you know, in these losses, uh, the opponents have really controlled their side of the field. So I think really in this last game and really just practice, and during practice, practice to control the field and try and push and be aggressive to get on that other side. Yeah, and a little factoid about that game. Maddie Goss, she got her ninth goal of the season this, you know, this matchup, and that's actually tying her for third 
third most in a season um, for a sophomore um, with Texas State soccer. So, I mean, there's been impressive things. And this is a sophomore, as I mentioned, you know, Maddie Goss, a midfielder from Midtown, Texas. She's doing great things. And I just, with Steve Holman, 11, right now their record is 11-4-2. And to me, that still sounds like a very powerful record. And they're definitely a team to look at going into the Sunbelt tournament. You know, this is a team that's gone and upset teams. Like, you know, they played against, you know, nationally ranked teams. We've seen them play against TCU. That was a loss, unfortunately. But, you know, just this soccer team's had a lot of experience. And with Steve Holman as at the helm, I mean, great things can come. And we're just excited to see what they can do in this tournament. Yeah, and the Bobcats wrap up their regular season this Thursday at 7 p.m. against the App State Mountaineers. This is the last home game, the last regular season game. So make sure to go out and support before they get into their tournament. But next we talk about the Texas State volleyball team who also played this past weekend. They were facing the Southern Alabama Jaguars in Alabama, and they split the series with them with a 3-1 to win on Friday and a 2-3 to loss on Saturday. Uh, these games had quite a few things to watch. There was in the, in the first game, the three to one win. This actually snapped South Alabama's 20 home game win streak. It's their first home loss since October 16th of 2020. And in the first game, we also saw Janelle Fitzgerald come within 38 kills of the all time Texas State kills record. And then in the second game, we have crowned a new Sunbelt Conference all time assist leader. Emily DeWald finally did it. Uh, recorded her 5,693rd career assist during the second match, and I definitely think she's on her way to her fifth consecutive Sunbelt setter of the year. Yeah, we were definitely talking about it earlier with Emily DeWall, and we knew that she was probably going to take the crown for a career some or career assist leaders, but we didn't know it was going to come this early. We thought it would come a little later, but, you know, she got it now, and then, you know, Janelle Fitzgerald, career, or season high, 28 kills on Saturday, beating her season high of 26, her previous season high of 26, which she scored on. Friday, she's been on a little run. I mean, 25 it was, in terms of the last three games, 25 kills the first game, second game, 26, and then last one, 28. So she's on fire. And like you said, she's doing really good. Yeah. And then Jacqueline Lee also with also her career high in 32 digs after setting her previous career high with 23 just the night before. So like you said, there's three people right there that are setting their career highs right now, right at the time of the season where they really need to. And I think this is what Coach Hewitt really wants to see, just the team firing on all cylinders when they need to. Oh, yes, 100%. When we talked to Sean Hewitt at the beginning of the season, he talked about you know one of the hardest things about this team is just getting a starting lineup because there's so much depth on this team. And talking about Jacqueline Lee, you know, she stepped up in this one. And that's just talking about players like we've seen in previous series. When they played against JMU, Lauren Teske stepped up, had a double-double, and she's been breaking her records ever since. And, and like we mentioned, Emily DeWalt now getting this assist leading, I mean, it just she shows how impactful she is on this team. But I have to mention in that loss that they had, I want to talk about the other team as well. Just just some stats that I noticed. There's a player on that team named Kaylee Keeble. And Kaylee Keeble is the only player I've seen the Bobcats face that are even close to the same numbers that Emily DeWalt's putting up. She's fourth in assist right now in Sunbelt Conference with 807 of her own. And if you look at that game, they had Saturday, they, they she had 43 assists. And then if you look at the game Friday, she had 42 assists. So just a huge performance from the other team as well to, you know, put out in, but the Bobcats beating them for the first time in how long was it? 20 games that that's a huge, huge thing for the Bobcats to do, but yeah, tough loss on Saturday and they hope to bounce back. Yeah, so they now are wrapping up their season as well. They have, you know, one or two series, I think, before their tournament. And I, I think they definitely have to be one of the favorites 
in the uh, in the Sun Belt tournament. You know, I know uh, JMU's also has a very good volleyball team. They have a very good every team it seems like since they joined the Sun Belt, but they definitely have to be a favorite in the tournament. Oh yeah, when I watched them play against JMU, I've never seen a team have the Bobcats that close at home. I mean, we saw that go into those extra sets where it was tied 2-2 and they were trying to get that that final third set and when they were playing against JMU. And that's where we saw Lauren Teske step up, that redshirt senior for the Bobcats. And, and, and just the JMU team, when I saw this, and if you listen to the ESPN broadcasters, they're saying this could possibly be a preview of that Sunbelt Championship match because these two teams are very powerful. JMU, as you know, is a new addition to the Sunbelt Conference and they're bringing the energy and they brought it straight here to Strahan Arena. So the Bobcats are definitely looking to get revenge after that series they got split with jmu and you know they got teams like arkansas state they're about to face and troy as well and so they definitely need to improve against those other sunbelt teams before they face against jmu those powerful teams in the sunbelt tournament well there as you as you mentioned the bobcats will play next this weekend against the arkansas state red wolves on friday at six and saturday at one so make sure to head to all three of these games the soccer game and then the two volleyball games. But if you can't make it, of course, we got you here. You can listen on KTSW 89.9. And we're going to take a quick break. But on the other side of it, we're going to talk about all three major sports. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. In the studio with me, I have my producer, Justin Brown, and co-hosts, Ryan Liguez and Bandera Barter. And this is your host, Colton Gibson. As I said before the break, we're getting into football, baseball, and basketball during this segment and we're going to start off with San Marcos High School Rattler football. The Rattlers this past week took a 55-35 to 35 loss against the Converse Judson Rockets. This game was on Friday. And I think going into this game, it was definitely you know a highly anticipated game following the whole scandal between Judson and San Marcos with the recruitment of the players. And I think it delivered. There's a lot of off-field talk, but on-field, it was a shootout, you know, 55-35 you know, 90 points put up between two teams. Any game like that is definitely exciting. Just unfortunately, the Rattlers weren't able to pull out a win. Yeah, 55 to 35 sounds like an offensive, uh, you know, an offensive showdown. And that's really what it was. You know, I was producing that game. I had Paxton Graff and Kyle Owen on the call and they did wonderful. But uh, yeah, no, this game, it it seemed that, you know, Judson came out really really fast and, and and that game had a lot of you know going on it it was their homecoming game but it also was their 30-year anniversary of them winning the national championship years ago in high school back in the day so yeah Judson had a lot of fans in the stands and they were ready to see the Rattlers and the Rattlers did put up a good offensive fight they did put 35 points on the board and I'm no football player I couldn't do that so you know just an impressive offensive performance from the Rattlers but you have to play defense if you want to try and hold a team you know a team scoring 55 on your head at times they were ahead by four touchdowns in the fourth quarter so so, you know, just you have to play better defense if you want to hold them. Right. That's what I was going to say. In high school football, you know, it's it's real nice if you can put up that many points, but you got to be able to stop them, too. And it's 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 hard, especially up against like these teams that like to pass a lot in high school. It's just it, it's a different type of game whenever you're not really used to that. And I don't know, this San Marcos team, like you said, with with the scandal and everything, it, we didn't know how they would do this year. But they really they've been putting up points, even if they haven't been getting wins. Their offense has been good. And the team looks like a good, cohesive team, which has been nice to see. Yeah, and I mean it's a big improvement again uh, from a, from the game against Steel last week. I mean, Isaiah Delano had 76 yards in that Steel game. This game he had 163 yards and four touchdowns and an interception. So better stat line than last year or than last week. And you know they got the rushing game going. Jaden Brown at 110 in the touchdown. Isaiah Delano tacked on another 115. And you know in that Steel game last week we only saw pretty much catches from Jaden Brown and Tony Diaz. He spread it out a little more this game with, of course. 
his um, catchers being Tony Diaz and Jaden Brown. He also got the R- Rodriguez Schultz, so he kind of spread it out a little more, but you know, it wasn't improving over last week. And, you know, like y'all been saying, the defense is kind of with the big thing we're looking at this week from our, this game because, you know, to score 55, that's a little tough. The biggest takeaway I have from this game is that at the end of the first quarter, this the score was 7-7, seven to seven, and they didn't punt the ball in the second half. But, you know, they, they came back down. They were down 41-7 to seven at one point, and they brought it back to be as close as 48-28. to 28. So that second quarter killed them. They, you know, tied it at the end of the first quarter and then turned the ball over three different times in the second quarter. And, you know, Judson, a team like Judson that has the offensive firepower that San Marcus also has is going to make you pay for those turnovers, which ultimately put them down by, you know, 34 points in the early going. Yeah, I mean, just like we mentioned earlier, there was there were scandals in the beginning of the season. These players were not even sure if they even had a postseason. But it seems that that is not taken out of their motivation. This team has improved. I mean, they have put up a a battle as much as they can against powerful teams like Judson and Steele, and they're putting thirty five points up on the board. And this team is not letting that that scandal ruin their season. They're playing their best you know brand of football they can, and they just really need to clean up that defense. And and if they can do that, I think they can pretty much take care of that next. Game. Yeah, I completely agree. And that next game up against New Braunfels, which should be a really good game, you know, kind of a rivalry right there. Uh, New Braunfels is a really good team this year. They're two and one in district with their only loss coming to Steele, who is undefeated. So this should be a challenge for us. But I think this is our best opportunity to really go up against a good team and, and show who they are. As you mentioned, the final home game for the San Marcos Rathers will be this Friday, October 28th at 7 p.m. against the Unicorns from New Braunfels. So they wrap up their home season and i think they only have one more game after that so they are starting to wrap up their season so go out and support the rattlers and now another football team here in san marcus is the bobcats from texas state who took another tough loss this weekend their first home loss just happened to come on the homecoming game and it was a 20 to 14 loss versus the southern miss golden eagles and guys uh i was a firm believer that this was the year and at three and five now with Four games left. The Bull Hopes are unfortunately kind of slipping away. Uh, you know, people are starting to call for Jake Spavital again. You know, that was starting end of last season, beginning of this season. People are like, oh, you know, maybe maybe this is a good year for him. Maybe he's starting to figure things out. And it's just it's it's looking like he's not. And people are starting to, you know, call him out for it. Yeah, Twitter was alive after this uh, homecoming loss. And, you know, it's, uh, I guess, rightfully so. I mean, to put up 14 points at home, a place that you've been dominated the past three times this season, it's uh, it's, it's tough to see. And, I mean, there was a lot of times that they could have taken this game. I mean, their defense, I mean, the Texas State defense was just on fire this game. A lot, again, a lot of punts, a lot of turnovers, and the offense was just not able to capitalize. And I think... Something needs to change. Some play calling. Something as a uh, as as immediate as of right now. Something needs to change with the play calling on offense because they have the you know we've seen them produce this season. So they just need to find a way to get the plays and use the piece that they have to be as most effective as possible. Yeah, I completely agree. That I, I, like what you said, I think they're just not taking advantage of their opportunities. They lost this game twenty to fourteen on that like last minute touchdown by Southern Miss. I was listening to the game on the radio as that happened, and I was like, oh, nice, we're going to win this game. We just got to make a stop right here. And then we did not make a stop. And that just kind of seems what to, has been happening a lot of this season. Like, it's just we need to do one more thing, 
and then it doesn't happen. Things just kind of start falling apart towards the end. I don't know, like y'all said, maybe maybe it is the coaching, maybe it's a lack of focus from the team, maybe that needs maybe that falls down back on the coach. But I don't know, it just seems like this team isn't as cohesive as it could be. And especially against a Southern Miss team, like this would have been a really good opportunity to, you know, get a win within our conference and really show who we are in the Sunbelt Conference. But yeah, just a tough loss overall. Yeah, for those that were not at the game, like let me set the tone for you. You have 16,000 fans in attendance. It is a homecoming game and no other homecoming game. They're doing Southwest Texas vintage memorabilia. They had different helmets and they even had Southwest Texas logos on the field and different parts of the stadium. And just there was a lot of anticipation behind this game. It was announced and a lot of fans came in from all parts of former alumni, former players came to see this game and what did they see? They saw a tough loss uh, and a loss that could have been prevented. And the way I say the reason I say that is this game, like you mentioned, we were going to win it. I'm telling you, you're down thir- you're down 14. I'm sorry. You're down 13 to seven going into, you know, the, the second half. And then you have to bounce back. And what did they do? They get a great 73 yard throw to Ashton Hawkins from Lane Hatcher. I've never heard a crowd at Texas state get that loud and that energetic. It was the, the, what you expect to see on a homecoming game. It's like something you dream of one minute left on the clock. You throw the ball downfield. It gets caught touchdown. Everyone goes wild, but guess what? You kick the ball off to the other team. There's only like 48 seconds left on the clock. It's a fourth down. You have to play defense on one play. And what happens? They throw a Hail Mary pass all the way downfield, caught, and no one was there to stop them. And they get that game, a win, just just last minute win for, you know, University of Southern Miss here. So it just, you know, it's just a it's just a tough tough loss um, for the Bobcats. And and as you mentioned, Ryan, you know, better offensive play calling is necessary. You see that this offensive team, they can't stay on the field long enough for the defense to recuperate. The defense is getting exhausted. If they're out there playing every single play of the game because the offense can't stay on there, they're going three and out, three and out. That defense is getting exhausted. You can't win a football game with that defense. So better offensive play calling. Don't just save it for the last plays of the game. Don't throw a 73-yard bomb at the end. Why don't you try and do that beforehand, right? <laughs> and then we'll see what the score can look like, right? Get that offense going, and that was just not the case here. So this one is going to sting a little bit longer, unfortunately, as next week the Bobcats will have a bye week. But following that, they will be at ULM on Saturday, November 5th at 4 p.m., which, of course, you can watch on ESPN Plus or listen to on KTSW 89.9. But we're going to zoom out of the San Marcos area and go to a little bit of national sports. And, of course, we have to start with October baseball. The MLB postseason is in full swing. The World Series is set. The Astros versus the Phillies, both league championship series, wrapped up last night with the Phillies beating the Padres four games to one and the Astros completing the sweep of the New York Yankees. And in my opinion, this is a matchup of the team that everybody knew was going to be here and the team that isn't supposed to be here. The 106 win Astros are just, their name is synonymous with the world series at this point. And the Phillies had 87 wins. They were the sixth seed in the national league playoffs. They were not supposed to be the team that came out. You had the 111 win Dodgers that were the favorite to win everything. And you know, they got bumped by the Padres, which the Phillies beat. So I, I don't know what to think going into this series as an Astros fan. I want to say that I'm comfortable, but the Phillies are hot. The bats are hot. Their pitching is good, but I don't know if it's better than the Astros. I'm really excited. I mean, I, I don't know when was the last time we've seen a World Series where it's a top seed versus a bottom seed. 
And, you know, for it to be Philly, you know, they've gone through so much. They went through the Mets. Sorry, not the Mets. They went through the 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 Cardinals, then they went through the Braves, then they went through the Padres just to get to the World Series to play, to play the Astros. And this was yeah, This is something I didn't see. And, you know, in the beginning of every MLB season, like you said, I mean, this is the fourth out of the six – Fourth out of the past six years that the Astros have made it to the World Series. So, you know, beginning of every season, it's like, okay, it's Astros and who? Who are they going to play? Well, I'll probably be that Braves or it'll be the Dodgers. It's always, always like that. So to see the, the, you know, Philly in there, I mean, it's just, that's really nice to see. And I'm excited. I mean, I'm as an Astros fan, I, this is something I'm looking forward to because it's something we haven't really seen before. It's always been either, you know, Braves or Yankees or, sorry, not in the World Series, but you see the Braves or Dodgers, stuff like that. So this is new to us and it's going to be exciting to watch. Right. Unfortunately, uh, despite living in Texas, I am a Texas Rangers fan and on Astros fan. So this this is tough. These past few years have been tough. Every every year as a Texas Rangers fan is tough. Uh, but because of that, I'll be rooting for the Phillies just to see the Astros go down Ooh. one more time. Hey, 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 listen, we've got we've got good people on the Phillies. We've got ex Texas Rangers, you Darvis, Jerks and Profar. We're bringing in that Texas rivalry. What? Is that on the Padres? That's the team that Phillies beat. Oh, God. <laughs> I told you, I don't really know baseball. I'm a Texas Rangers fan. It's hard to pay attention this year. It's really hard. I went to one game this year. We had one home run, and then the other team had seven home runs, and it was, it was, it was really bad. Don't worry, man. There's therapy for that. There's therapy. Yeah, I, I, I need it. Tex- it's, it's tough being a Texas Rangers fan, but regardless, I'm cheering against the Astros. I hope they lose. They're still cheaters. I will stand by that. <laughs> Well, this is what I will say about this series. Now, as you mentioned, the Dodgers, right, they get eliminated by the Padres. And that was a team where you had the the most winningest team lose against a team that did not have the same record. So truthfully, regular season records don't matter in this situation. The Phillies were not expected to be here, and they're here the first time since 2009. And they lost against a team called the New York Yankees in 2009. So the Yankees are gone now. They've been swept by the Houston Astros. And the Astros, as if anyone does not know, and you've been under a rock, the Astros are 7-0 and in the postseason. And they're undefeated. And they're the team to beat, and all the energy is in the Astros' favor. If you know anything, ALCS player of the you know postseason player is Jeremy Pena, and he well deserves it. The rookie for the Astros, I mean, rookie for the Astros, doing amazing things. Um, we've seen that that player just do. I, if you watch the series, you don't. I don't need to explain it. He's diving behind his back to catch balls. He's playing amazing double plays. He's hitting it out of the park. So the Astros have the momentum. But what is on the Phillies? Well, you got Kyle Schwarber, you got Bryce Harper. There are players that can do it, and they can hit. But, you know, and they had to battle more to, against the Padres than we had. To, I mean, against the Astros had to battle against the Yankees. It was just a clean sweep for the Yankees. And the Yankees wanted Houston and they got Houston. So, you know, I, I'm really excited for this World Series. It's definitely an underdog versus it's a David versus Goliath situation. And, you know, Yankees fans are going to become Phillies fans overnight. And you will see that. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited to see the Astros sweep the Phillies in the World Series. I'm a a big number follower. um, And when you look at the numbers for these two teams, the top four pitchers for the Astros all have better numbers than the Phillies ace do. So Verlander, McCullers, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier, of all people, have better numbers than Aaron Nola does and Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. And this Houston lineup is just too good. You know, you look at the lineup, the, the first inning, you're like, okay, I got Altuve, I got Pena, and I got Alvarez. I got him out. And then you come back the next inning, and you got to face Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Yuli Gurriel. Like you, it's too deep. You face, you beat somebody, and then you have to be your best pitching the entire game. There's, there's no break for pitchers. But the Astros don't exactly have the best record against NL East teams in the World Series. Unfortunately, you look at 2019. They played the Nationals. The Nationals won. 
You look at last year, they played the Braves, the Braves won. So hopefully the NL East curse for the Astros breaks and they can, you know, get a their second World Series, the first one since 2017. I'm hoping for it. But we're going to get to some NBA basketball now. I know Justin is excited for it. He's doing fades here in the, in the studio. Uh, so I just want to go around and, you know, it just started. So I want to get y'all's team y'all are watching the most and also an, a way too early championship prediction. Well, I'm a Houston Rockets fan. Always will be. I don't care if we're 0-72. I'm still going to be watching as many games as I can. So if you're asking me what team I'm watching, it's going to be the Rockets. But what teams are going to be, you know, going far this year i don't believe it's going to be the rockets unfortunately we're a very young team one of the youngest teams in the league besides the okc but what teams are going to make it well i'm gonna tell you what teams are going to make it the warriors are looking scary the warriors have the momentum they have players like jordan Poole, who is just is turned himself into a steph curry copycat um he is the now the new splash brother clay thompson he's playing a great role you got andrew wiggins who has a fadeaway now and that can't be stopped you got kaminga the rookie who's now in his second year and doing great things this team is unstoppable and draymond green you know he did punch someone in the face but somehow he found himself still on the roster <laughs> so i think the warriors fans are excited my prediction to teams that are going to go all the way it's going to be the warriors and in the east Oh, man. Maybe we'll come back for me, my prediction of the East. I'll throw it to Bandera right now. All right, yeah, good luck with that Warriors pick. We'll see if Jordan Poole is still shooting like Steph Curry after he can't see out of one of his eyes because of Draymond Green. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see how that Warriors team is doing, doing after that. But uh, my team, always my team, the team I pick to win the championship every single year, the Dallas Mavericks. They got it this year. They had it the year before. Just some minor, some minor things happened. But now the Warriors are broken up, so we don't have them standing in our way anymore. Uh, but, yeah. Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic MVP, Christian Wood sixth six man of the year, Spencer Dinwiddie most improved. This whole team, it's deep. It's got everything we need. It, the, Dallas has never had a better chance to win a championship than in 2011 whenever we had that super deep team with Dirk, Jason Terry, Tyson Chandler, just the most solid role players you can have in every position. And I feel like that's what we have again now. We just needed some rim protection. We needed some rebounding. And we got that with Christian Wood. We got that with J JaVale McGee. And the Mavericks are locked and loaded. We're ready for a real championship run this year yeah well for me you know i'm not a dallas fan but you know they're a team i'm also watching i'm a, I'm a spurs fan but you know we're just kind of banking on that playing spot see if we can get that but y'all are hoping yeah, for a win the, they're gonna be worse than the rockets this year hey, yeah y'all we'll are, are both hoping for that number one overall pick scoot oh. henderson or victor Wimbanyama. i want it but besides you know the Mavs, you know i'm looking at portland after watching that game last night against the lakers i mean damon Lillard, man, he was automatic man in, in the three in the paint so he's doing good. So that's another team that I'm looking at. In terms of the East, I think I said it on KT, uh, not KTW, on uh, Close to the Wall, but I, I had Atlanta going all the way. What do y'all think now? Shaking heads? Good luck with that. I don't, I don't know about Atlanta. I am not a Trey Young believer at all. <laughs> yeah, so while I think the Mavericks are the best in Texas, I I think I'm going to – I'm excited to watch the Rockets personally. I'm, I'm a Houston fan too. You know, they have – Jalen Green's going to be exciting as always. Kevin Porter Jr., uh, and then also adding um, Jabari Smith and Tari Eason is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But my champion pick is going to be the Boston Celtics. They almost got it last year, and they added a few extra pieces, bringing in Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, he's going to do great things for the Celtics team. So I'm going to say the Celtics win it because why not? Uh, but now, as we wrap up national sports, we will throw it 
to our favorite segment where Justin lets us know what the weather or what he thinks the weather is going to be. <laughs> yes, I have my trusty dusty weather gauge here, guys. And if you were outside this morning, you may have noticed high humidity and a lot of rain. Well, it's starting to die down. The rain percentage is now in the 15 percent. And in the afternoon, it's going to be 20 percent. But in the evening, you need to be inside or you need to have a jacket on. It's going to be 68 percent chance of thunderstorms. Now, for the next few days, can you expect this rain? Or are you going to see it more? That's a great question. Um, tomorrow, I mean, this Friday, um, you're going to have rain, 73% chance. But for the other days, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's looking low percentage chance of rain. You're looking less than 20% chance. But hey, you know how weather predictions go here. We live in the wonderful state of Texas where it could say 20% and then 30 minutes from now, it could be 80%. So bring that umbrella in your backpack just in case. And if you got a jacket or a poncho, I'd say toss it in just in case you're in one of your classes and you get out and you go, oh, Dang it, Justin, why'd you tell me it wasn't going to rain? So yeah, that's what you need to bring. Well, that is all of our time for today. So make sure to keep up with everything Texas State and San Marcos related by following us at KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. But for Justin Brown, Ryan Liguez, and Bandera Barter, I'm Colton Gibson. And thank you for listening to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio. Have a great rest of your day, and we hope you tune back in at the same time on Wednesday. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio.